Hello. Hello, Merlin. How are you? I'm great, Dan. How are you? Oh, water's boiling. Let me turn it off. Okay. Phone's ringing, dude. You making tea or are you doing an AeroPress or what's going on? I'm making a drink called coffee. It is made. Uh, you know, the Cuisinart, it keeps it at whatever temperature you asked it to until you turn it off. And then it shuts off after like 15, 20 minutes. It's great. It's great. Super convenient. Ah, I love it. I love it. The only downside is after a couple of years, they get sort of rusty looking at the bottom, you know, kind of like any water pot thing yeah, would. Yeah. But it's a, it's a good, good deal. So you want to button this up? Well, I mean, I think we got to cover one thing. The big thing uh, this week is the uh, the Echo mm-hmm. Show. Ah, I'm assuming you pre-ordered one. Yep, I did too. Because mm-hmm. uh, I love the Echo so much that I think this is going to be pretty cool. And I, my comparison was it sort of reminds me of the Chumbie. It's like a Chumbie version too. Yeah, but probably I... a whole lot better. You had a Chumbie, didn't you? I did have a Chumbie. God, my phone. Uh, see, is it blowing up? You're yeah, blowing, someone's blowing this, up your phone. Yeah, whenever I've got it in uh, dingling mode, but I'm going to turn it into full turn it off mode. Yeah. Um, boy, this is really disconcerting. No, not airplane mode. Moon mode. Moon. Okay. Uh. Hi. Hey. Yes. I. What? Do you, you have an angle on this? You do have an uh, angle. Your angle is it's like a chumby. Yes, the chumby was. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm at sixes and sevens here. I got all these people texting me. You got this guy. You guys co- cocked the Arab over here. And by, I just want to say something. When I googled, yes. when I googled under Google Images for chumby, you know how it gives you up at the top, across the top, mm-hmm. uh, it, it'll give you sort of sections that you can then pick, and it will show you images like that. So the first one says logo, and so it has the octopus logo. The next one says hacks, and it shows people hacking it. Another one just says eight. Then it says Sony Dash. Oh, don't go there. And then to the right. Oh, no, 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 don't. Do you see that too? Yes. Why is that there? Uh, it's the Snap to Grid problem. It's a name that sounds like Chumby. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, boy. But um, you, had, you had one of these. I've had two of these, yes. I had the original or near original one. Uh, and so the Chumby was a very interesting project. I don't, you can go look it up. We'll put it in show notes, but the Chumby was a very interesting project where there was a, I believe totally open sourcey hackable piece of hardware. Yeah. That was, the whole idea was you could do whatever you want with this. This is back, you know, back when that kind of like maker culture thing was sort of picking like up. 2005 the idea was five, maybe two thousand. It's kind of the raspberry Pi of its time. Right. Where it was meant to be something that you could get and use for stuff, but then you could also hack it however you wanted. And then there was a community of developers who made widgets for it. And it uh, it was basically, I believe, a Flash app. So it couldn't be totally open source, could it? Hmm. But I believe it was Flash apps that would run. And it was a very interesting and I think somewhat ahead of its time product. Because up till now, any kind of stuff you had in the home was mostly an appliance that was, what, as sophisticated as, let's say a Sony dream machine. Mm. So like you could buy a really nice alarm clock that would have two different alarms. (laughs) Why separate knob? Why separate knob? You could have alarms for two different people. You could wake to music, you you know, pretty sophisticated. And then things kind of topped out there. We did have TVs. We had computers at the time this came out. uh, 
there were not a lot of what are now called smartphones. It was a very unusual idea to have this little ambient device in your house where you could say, these are the, these are bits of information I want to know about. Like, show me other people's tweets. You know, show me threads on this forum that I follow. Show me the weather. A lot of weather. A lot of weather on a lot of time clock face. Well, things. for people who haven't seen what this is, it it is a little looks like a beanbag with a screen. Yeah, it had like a be- and I guess they did that to sort of humanize it, which I thought was a cool idea because the sides and the back are sort of beanbaggy, they're sort of soft and then it's got a little screen on the front and mm-hmm. it had a little button or a snap on it that you could hang the little chumby logo off of. I wanted one of these things, but by the time that I came around to actually deciding to get one, I think is when they were the company was going bankrupt. So, I never actually had one. Hmm. It was Bunny Bunny Wang, the famous Bunny Wang, lowercase b Wang, um, famous hacker person. So it was cool. It was ahead of its time. Uh, it was not mm, surpassingly easy to use. The you know this is the example that I and I don't mean to to you know pile on because it was a brilliant little device. But you know if you if you've gotten so used to your iPhone that you forget what touchscreens used to be like, what it was like to use a Garmin GPS, right. what it was like to use a Chumbi. I mean, I, we did actually use, I would use a, the point of a pencil sometimes to try and reach a particularly small target on the screen because it was so difficult to uh, engage. But it was a clever idea ahead of its time. But, you know, really ahead of its time in the sense that I, I can't think of many other devices that weren't like a Hamaker Schlemmer kind of thing. I can't think of that many things that weren't just for billionaires that would display status stuff in your house. Yeah. So this is when did this start? Two thousand six. Yeah. Okay, I thought it was earlier. Right. Okay. I thought it was earlier than that. So only a year before the iPhone. Wow. That's super interesting. But um, and now you flash forward some eleven years, and now there are more of. These devices get lumped into what people call the Internet of Things. Yeah. So, you know, in some cases, there's stuff in your house that used to be, I hate to say dumb devices, but used to be like a, now your light bulb has smart functionality and connectivity. Um, my friend Max Temkin today was pointing me to a Bluetooth salt shaker. Have you seen this? <laughs> what is, does it tell you how much salt you've used and when the salt shaker is well, let's, empty? Let's not make fun of it until we've really given it a fair hearing, Dan. <laughs> okay. Go to my smalt. Dot com. Of course. My smalt. Oh. There is so much to love. Uh, just allow me, allow me just a quick oh my derail gosh. here. Smart home meets <laughs> smart dining. It's the world's first smart centerpiece designed exclusively for your indoor outdoor dining area. So it's primarily it's a centerpiece. So the three big bullets, you know, when you got a web page now, you gotta have three one-third areas for the features of your product. Okay? So number one, turn up the volume. Pair your phone and let the entertainment begin. From jazz to Johnny Cash, stream your favorite music to set the tone of the party. Okay, cool. So kind of it's a Bluetooth speaker, right? So far, so good. Bullet two, light up the room. (laughs) Make any moment more memorable with a color-changing mood light. And so it's got little sort of like the rings on your uh, lady in the tube. Uh It can make it have lights, kind of like it's like a 21st century Simon. From an anniversary dinner to a party with friends. (laughs) Ate the ambiance that's right for the night. Wow. Bullet three, amp up the flavor. Everything tastes better with a little bit of salt. <laughs> Surprise your guests and their palate with fun interactive, <laughs> with a fun interactive way to shake salt and bring out the flavor. It's just odd to me. Yes, and it looks it looks like the Echo, very much like the Echo. Um, 
Echo meets maybe uh, what's what do they call the module that lands on the moon? You know, <laughs> yeah, the lunar the lunar lander. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Now, if you go over to their blog, uh. you'll see they have a blog post from March twenty seven of this year. Why every home should have centerpieces, and that that's one of the blog posts. I don't know if we have a centerpiece. Well, that's you need that according to this blog. Got to get this salt. So, you know, it kind of goes both ways and always. On the one hand, there are devices that used to be independent, normal things. I, I'm, I'm avoiding getting into the many, many issues that we can get into about why all of this is terrible. Let's just talk about the stuff for a minute for now. Uh, yeah, so you got stuff like, you know, like we got a bunch of Hue lights. I've got some Wemo uh, smart plugs, um, some cameras and stuff. So you take something that used to be a fairly kind of inert, sub-appliance and you add some intelligence to it. But the other side of this that's super interesting then is not the other side, but the complementary side of that is like um, affordances in your mobile and home life to interact with these objects in, in novel ways and to get information from objects in your house, right? So it sounds like the same thing, but I don't think it is. I mean, I think a hue light is one kind of Internet of Things object and then a, a the lady in the tube is a different kind of thing, don't you think? I mean, the, the thing that controls it um, has a whole different set of design needs than just the thing that sits in a light socket. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I do. And uh, so that makes this a very interesting time. It's a huge week where last week Amazon announced, was it the Amazon Look? It's an, the idea was, I think it's mainly, uh, at least from watching the video, it looks like it's mainly targeted at women. If you're an Instagram outfit of the day type person, you create your, I believe it is called, I'm saying this phonetically, a lookbook. You have the ability to see your outfit from the front and back. It blurs out the background. You keep that in your closet or your bedroom. And I think, you know, reactions to that were muted to, you know, oh, interesting, but not for me. Right. While other people thought it was the greatest thing. And then, so there's this rumor, and then today it was announced by Amazon, the Amazon show yes will we'll come out at the end of june right with its uh the obvious distinguishing characteristic being that it has a screen it does the other thing that they're pushing heavily from i've listened to two podcasts about this and read the page about it um the other thing they're really pushing with this and this rolled out with today's big alexa app update is the ability to now talk to oh, i'm sorry you said the word i've gotten so good i know the app called A-L-E-X-A. Um, they're now really pushing this ability for you to basically treat your Echo like an intercom where you can call people. Now, the, the fruition of that, this, now this does get us into the problematic area, is the fruition of that is this ability on the Amazon show. Have you heard about drop-in? I just heard about this on Connected. Have you heard about drop-in mode? No, I haven't heard that. Okay. So... This I don't know that much about except what I've heard, which is now you will be able to like I, I basically have like office hours where I suppose selected people can just like appear. <laughs> so one of the most compelling features from uh, USA Today, one of the most compelling features is known as drop in letting folks remotely do just that with designated people who have been whitelisted who also have an echo show. If you put them on the list, they can drop in. You can only drop in on them if they in turn approve you. After summoning Alexa to drop in, you'll in initially see the person you're trying to communicate with behind frosted glass, a view that remains for 10 seconds. <laughs> Quote, unquote, frosted glass, right? So it like blurs it out for 10 seconds, after which the frost automatically disappears. Title. Um, 
The other person has the option to reject a call altogether or to continue. Yeah, but basically you can just be sitting there doing your thing, recording a podcast, and suddenly it's, hello, somebody just pops in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and they're saying other things, uh, better speakers, but I think the marquee feature is the screen and the beyond just the screen, like what, what more you can now do with an interactive touch screen on an Amazon. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is when you go, I put it in the show notes, when you go to buy the thing on the right hand side, it lists a few things that you might want to add to your order. And it includes mm -hmm. the doorbell pro, which is a little doorbell slash. Yeah, I got a suggestion for the ring. Doorbell. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, there's a, a security camera, an Arlo security camera. There's the Wemo smart Wi-Fi plug-in, uh, the Hue lights. And all of these are things, of course, that can be controlled, that can be automated and controlled by the show. And I think this is something that's really interesting to me in a lot of ways because anytime that the echo would say, Oh, you know, look, look at your phone right. for additional options or look at your phone for whatever you don't have to do that anymore. This brings that level of autonomy to the echo as a whole. It is now, you know, the one thing that was sort of missing before was that other piece of the interface. And I remember, I forget which episode it was. It was definitely a few months ago uh, maybe more, where you and I were discussing the future of these kinds of intelligent devices and how excited I think we both are about the potential. And one of the things that I remember uh, saying to you is that most things I want to be able to communicate using my voice, most things, but that hearing a response back in via voice isn't always the best way to do it. And I think we can made the comparison to the way certain things are in we were in Westworld, the wonderful HBO show that we both are obsessed with that you might ask it something, but it needs a way it might want, it might know that displaying the answer to that visually is easier or more important or something like that. And especially so, like on the case, in the case of Siri, right. It's, it's, uh, there's so much of this that has to do with the, on the one hand, the abilities of the device, and then on the other hand, the sensible the sensibility of like where, how, when you'd want to do it. So there's all kinds of stuff where even if you have an app on your watch, it's still going to throw to your phone. So if I get an alert that there's movement on a camera somewhere, right. it'll say view in <clears throat> view in um, app. And so if I pull out my phone, it'll be there. You know, I don't, I think that I think that is is sensible. And, yeah, and by good. the same token, if you say if you say to your phone. Uh, show me pictures of baby pangolins. Uh, it, I believe that it will show you photos. It wouldn't. You wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want them to just read that back to you. You know. Yeah, it <laughs> would make, be incredibly frustrating. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there are so many things that we are as visual people um, or sighted people can look at something and get tons and tons of information much, much more effectively than we could. And and a really good example of that would be something like movie show times. I want to go see Gardens of the Galaxy 2. Um, when does that play on Sunday? I, I would much rather see a little list of things and then it say, there is a showing at 2.45 p.m. and 3.08 p.m. You know what I'm saying? Just show it to me. So in certain situations, yes. having having the ability to do that, I think, is is just genius. And the stuff that they're building into this 
is also really cool. You know, they, they've got it so it's going to display, I mean, just easy little things like displaying lyrics to a song while it's playing the song that you have if on it's, Spotify. If it's Amazon Music. If yeah. it's, well, I think it's Amazon Music. Oh, that's the only one that, that'll do lyrics I, for? Well, I mean, we'll see when it comes out, but yeah. I, I think they've said that that will be on Amazon. So, I mean, I, I don't, uh, there's, in some cases, I mean, you think about something like a command line interface where uh, it's nice to be able to, like if you're in Vim, it's nice to be able to have the Mac version of that where you can use your mouse. Right. But for Vim to be Vim, it really needs to be something where everything that can be, I think, you know, you need to be able to do it with, you know, typing on the keyboard. Otherwise, it's really not Vim anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Like if you require people to have use a mouse in order to use Bash, you're, now you're kind of talking about, I think, a different application. That there's, there is a certain purity and beauty to that. And why do I say that? Because one of the flummoxing, frustrating things about Siri is the, well, set aside for a moment that like it's when it gets something wrong or doesn't understand it and then it makes a joke, there's something kind of especially annoying and galling about that. But, you know, there, there are a lot of times where, you know, it, it's going to, it's going to throw up its hands and just search Bing or something like that. And it's, but, you know, I, I think about it this way. I think about the kinds of complicated problems involving large data sets, like a spreadsheet kind of thing. Like there's all kinds of ways you might want, like something that's something that's very easy to do when you're in Google Sheets or Excel or Numbers yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But like there, think about this from a voice point of view. There's another reason why probably spreadsheets are not a, a great thing just now unless it has a very smart. So like, you know, let's say it's like I, uh, I want to see like what are the stats for this podcast that I do? It would be nice to be able to say to my phone, What's the greatest number of downloads our show ever got within the first seven days of release? That's, that's actually a super knowable, and in, in something like with Simplecast, that's quantified. Like there's actually a separate graph for performance of shows seven days after release. And so, I mean, that's not that complicated of a thing to get. But think about everything I had to say in order to have, in that case, a, a, a well-formed, non-ambiguous query. And I, I might still might not have gotten it right. Other times the question could be really simple. Which episode has had the most total downloads, right? But there's other kinds of things where you would say like, okay, well, show me like a moving, uh, make me, I want to see a graph with a moving average of, you know, a number of subscribers or something like that. Or, you know, how, how what is the growth of our show over time? And not only could you not, it would be difficult to ask for that to get that graphic. It's looking at the graphic that would tell the story for you right. that you're looking to tell. So I'm, I'm not trying to problematize this, but I, I think it is very sensible first to say that whatever device we make and whatever tool we present to you, we want to give it. We want to give you a very polished version of this that will let you do, let you do the stuff that this can do, in a way that's sensible and presents itself to you over time, where you can learn from it. You know, the feeling of being half-baked that we got out of Siri was because it could kind of do a few things surprisingly well in a demo. But in actual day-to-day -day usage, it wouldn't hear you. It was slow. It was confused. You know, and then, you know, at the point when you're using a voice device and have to look to see if it heard you, that's death. Yes, right? yes. So I personally, I applaud the uh, refinement of these things before they get too widespread. And but the truth is, I, this is at this point has become practically conventional wisdom. I, I, I hate to say stuff like who's best and falling behind, et cetera, like that's so silly. But I, one of my most frequent uses of Lady in a Tube lately is I'll just say, "Hey Dingus, add uh, two percent milk to my shopping list." Right. And like you, you would figure it would get that pretty well. I mean, that's not super complicated. Seems basic. 
but I'm pretty – let me go look at my history. I am sometimes pretty surprised with what it gets right the first time. Add nightlight to my shopping list. That's not a hard – add Toll House chips to my shopping list. It got that right. It was not confused. It knows that Toll House is different from Toll House. Uh, add avocados, not a hard one. Add gray poupon mustard to my shopping list. It got that. It got and it spelled gray poupon right. You say, oh, well, of course. I guess you would guess that Amazon would get that right because they have this corpus of data about all this stuff. But uh, I feel like with the the Amazon family of voice products, I do sometimes look to see if the ring turns to get my voice. But I will very frequently just say trigger word, very short pause, and then say the thing. And well over ninety percent of the time. It hears me, it gets it, and it gets it right. So, you know, that's that that gets us to where we are now, where they're spreading their wings a little bit and they're trying some new things. I'm talking a lot. Well, I'm, I, I like what you're saying. I mean, one of the things that I just think, again, I go back to the whole future of this, and that is I want to have something that's smart enough to understand that kind of a context, to understand uh, the, the types of requests that we want to make on a regular basis. Uh, were I feel like, and I'm, I was not, I had seen the little rumors of, of the show and things that, that were supposed to be coming out from that picture that got accidentally leaked or, or discovered. And I was like, "Eh," you know, like, well, that seems, it almost seems like a step backwards in a way of like, well, weren't we moving toward just having everything be uh, a, a, on our mobile devices? Weren't we, going away from something that's sort of tethered or plugged in or stationary. Uh, and that the fact that the, uh, what do you call it? Lady in the tube mm-hmm. that they're, they're plugged in, but they do a really good job of hearing you even really far away, even on the other end of the house or the other end of the office. But there's something about this that I think is really interesting. You know, all those, like speaking of blade runner, um, you know, that blade runner showed, uh, what is essentially what we take for granted now is video conference, video calls, where you could make a video call and there'd be the other person sitting there. And mm-hmm. I remember how thinking that was one of those things that we knew one way or another that was going to happen. But my how favorite exactly part, my favorite work. part was that, like, at, unlike two thousand one, I love that he does it at a payphone and it's like beat up and has graffiti on it, right. which is exactly what you would have expected. Exactly, except we don't so have great. payphones, right? It would have been I know, on a little. I know. And that's the funny thing is, like, it would have been on a tiny little device that that if we were making Blade Runner now, he would have some kind of super futuristic uh, cell phone of some kind. But I don't think that that's what the future is going to be either. You know, I don't think. In 10 years from now, we're all going to be walking around with cell phones in our pockets. I just don't think that's the future. I don't know what the future is, but I don't think that that's it. I think this, the show, is more a step in the direction of where things will be in 10 or 15 years from now than smaller, lighter, faster phones in our pockets. I I don't think those Mm. will go away, but I think there's something... There's something here that's really interesting. There's something here that that I really like... Uh, I think I think the idea of not having to carry around anything at all or at the most having like a little a little microphone type pin or something that yeah, you yeah. clip on your jacket but or the, your shirt. But further and further decentralization yeah, exactly. and uh, appliancification right. of things. Like the way that I, in Brazil, the movie kind of addressed this in a way and that and, and many other movies going into the future that that if there's a camera or a microphone in the in the room, 
you can just talk to it and the computers that exist in the world will be smart enough to know, oh, that was Dan and he asked me to reschedule his lunch appointment. Like they, mm-hmm. it won't, I won't need to call it out with a special name or something like that. It'll just, it's always listening to me and there's, it knows my voice is very different from your voice and, and my son's voice. And it'll know which one of three of us spoke and what we said and what we wanted. Even if I get on a plane and travel to San Francisco and we're sitting down at lunch with you, uh, it would still know I wouldn't have to bring a thing with me. So I think this is a step in that direction somehow. And we've got to get there. But I, I really like this. I really I, want to see more I think more it's of this. very. I think. I think it's. You know. I mean. I'm not that excited about it. I'm. I'm most excited about the original Echo. That's the one I'm still most excited about because the sound is okay for me. Yeah. Um. And it has gotten so good at doing the thing that it's supposed to do. It's gotten better at doing the thing that it is supposed to do at a pace that greatly exceeds a lot of other tech products in my life i'll leave it at that but you know now what's funny is let me find this snarky comment a uh, friend of the show paul haddad uh from Tapbot, <laughs> he, he posted a link to the TechCrunch article about this and uh said introducing the amazon echo show for all those people who want a por- non-portable seven inch 230 dollar tablet and i was like hmm that's it's snarky but it's it's kind of funny and true mm-hmm. i mean Shouldn't you, I mean, if you had like a spare iPad, shouldn't you be able to mostly emulate this with an iPad? Kind of. You would think so. Uh, But you you would think so. Because I mean, it's got, it's got FaceTime. It's got, you know, hey, dingus functionality. Right. But, okay. But, but here's the core difference is the show is built to work through your, the human voice and the iPad is Siri well, is it's a, supposed to respond to Hey Dinga. It's supposed to. I mean, I I ended up shutting this off on most devices because the iOS device that heard me. First of all, it was almost never my watch. <laughs> and yes, you guys can stop writing. I know you have to raise your watch to make it listen. I I think that's silly, but I do know that I am aware of that. So you know, the thing is, that's the thing I want to hear me all the time, and it's the thing that very very rarely hears me. And then, but suddenly, like my wife's iPad, my daughter's iPad, there's iPads going off all over the place trying to tell me it's time to take the pasta off the stove. Um, but that, right, that's what it's supposed to be. I mean, what it says on the tin is that your iPad could be, I mean, isn't it imaginable that you could have an iPad too that you leave plugged in that mostly, unless I'm missing something really big, that that should be able to do most of what this thing does. It should. Right. But I mean, it's not, me- it's not, but it does. To. I mean, obviously in reality it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I agree. I mean, you should be able to take something like a thousand dollar iPad and, uh, and, and get this kind of functionality out I don't of think it. it needs to be a thousand dollars. Well, no, but if I it's mean, got a modern, if it's got a modern, if it's, if it can run iOS 10, um, or even probably iOS nine, like it should work for this and think about it you can you can uh, i believe you can instantiate a facetime call you might need to unlock it mm-hmm. but if you like tore it all the way down and then put like you know i see i don't know I, obviously it's not designed for that but in the ios ios and the ios devices have a different set of concerns about you know privacy and how that works and stuff but right. you know somebody could get most of this functionality out of an ipad i, I just wanted to mention that because that is snarky but that is a very interesting way to frame it I don't see myself using, for example, today when I updated the Amazon Voice app on my iOS devices, 
the first thing it wants to do is walk you through, hey, there's been some changes. Now you can talk to your dingus and communicate with other people. Do you want to do this? Send your contacts. And I just like, no, no, no. Skip all. Skip. I do not. <laughs> I do not, as John Roderick would say, I do not prefer this. I don't want to talk to people or have them talk to me over my dingus. I mean, just, just, for, just for me. Yeah, I can understand that too. I mean, there's, there are a lot of things though that the idea for me, again, as sort of a, a minimalist, the less stuff that I need to have and <laughs> what? It's just funny to begin a sentence with as a minimalist. As a minimalist, I, the thing is I want less stuff to have to take around mm-hmm. with me. If you told mm-hmm. me that I didn't have to take my phone with me anymore, I would be so, I would be so happy. I, you know what I mean? If there was another way to do it. So like in my house, like I don't want to have to have my phone in my pocket in my house. You know, I don't want to. And, yeah. and, and, and I, I, so I love the idea of this. I love the idea of it. We've still got a long way to go, though. We've still got such a long way to go. Well, yeah, I mean, we haven't, you know, seen it in action. There's a lot about it that is. OK, first of all, above everything else, kudos to Amazon for continuing to innovate and move quickly in this space. Mm-hmm. So before I say anything that's karma sucky, I just would like to say I think Amazon still is doing this the best and is doing the most interesting and ambitious stuff that I'm aware of at this point. And I can say that as somebody who really, really does use this. Like my whole family uses this a lot. Um, so the thing is, though, with that said, you know, this, it's going to take up a fair amount of counter space. Like if you have a small kitchen like we do. I'm not sure where this goes. Because one thing I love about the uh, Lady in the Tube family is that you can kind of deploy them tactically depending on what you're going to use them for. So for example, the dot that we have in our entryway, in our hallway, you know, we're not using that to listen to music. It's mainly there to control lights or to do this or that, to set a timer, to, you know, do whatever, to add things to a list. And I just got to tell you, I know it sounds crazy to have more than one of these things, but you, you, they're cheap when you buy like a pack of them. Very cheap. And, uh, and it becomes something you stop thinking about. You don't get self-conscious. As you're walking through the house, you know that if you say something in a normal tone of voice, one of those devices will hear you and will record it correctly. Right. And you don't need to worry even which one heard you. Still, that's pretty primitive compared to where we'll be in 50 years, but it is actually a pretty great cognitive tool to have around. So in that case, the dot, like, you know, if we're going to listen to music, we're going to stream it over Sonos, which I also want to talk about this week, um, or what have you, right? You're gonna, we're going to listen to it on a more capable device. So it really, that just needs to go sit under the table in the entryway. It doesn't even need to be visible, really. As long as it can hear, as long as it's got a clear shot to hear the voice, that's all that, that's all that matters. You know, so the, the canonical primary echo the original big costly echo is in the kitchen where i do use it to stream stuff and the truth is like when i stream just public radio voice over the dot in the bedroom it's fine and i can control the volume from across the room you can say hey dingus you know obviously people know you can say turn it up and turn it down but you also eventually learn like what volume works so i know i can just yell across the room hey dingus volume three and it makes it exactly the volume that i want for like waking up in the morning so I think this is encouraging in terms of development. I, I'm wondering how much I will want to use the screen in practice, not least because I hope it's not ugly. Like, you know, the Chumbi wasn't pretty. It was yeah. functional at what it tried to do, but it didn't feel great to use. It really felt like kind of a nerd thing. So I don't know. This is the com- company that brought us the Fire Phone. So, you know, and uh, 
and only added Ragged Write to Kindle in the last month. So, you know, aesthetics and user configuration is on the list, but not always at the top of the list. So we'll see how it looks. But, you know, I'm thinking of stuff like, like, you know, you, let's say somebody works at home and somebody else is taking care of the kid. It would be kind of great to just be able to pop in and say hi, you know, from across the room and have that be real casual. The way that some people just sit around in Slack and Skype all day. Like, right. I, I could see the value of that. Yeah, I could too. I think, you know, you're right when you talk about there. It does have a footprint. And the footprint, I think, is it's like seven and a half tall by seven and a half wide by three or four inches deep. So it's I'm not- imagining like it's an open iPad mini. Maybe yeah, a little I think that's exactly right. Which is not, you know, terrible, but with that angle, it's I'm not I sound like John Syracuse. Does it have fans? Like, but you know, with the angle and everything, you know, it's 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 gonna take up a in our in our house, this would not be something that we would put in like an active counter area. We just don't have that much space. I know that sounds mental, but like we don't have a giant kitchen. So, you know, I don't think this is where that would be. Also, it would be kind of hard to see. Like our right now, our echo is kind of tucked away behind the microwave. Not behind the microwave, but like, you know, kind of push back. It's it's not it's not a centerpiece as Smalt would have you say. Right. But I, I do applaud it. You need it gotta have a centerpiece. I'll be very interested to see this. Um I'd like to hear about something you like, but this also kind of I, I, I think we could continue this discussion with a question from listener Mike, uh, that I was gonna mention this week, and I think it's appropriate to the discussion if you'd allow it. Cool, of course. But first, is there any chance at all that you would like to tell me about something that you like? I would love to tell you about FreshBooks. FreshBooks! It is, it, is a, it is a year brought to you by FreshBooks. If you think about it, 2017, it's a new year. This is your chance to, to really still take over the year and make it your own. It's not too late. Mm-mm. And our friends over at FreshBooks, they want into this. They want to be a part of how you reinvent yourself and your business and what they do is they make what's called cloud accounting software. It's used by over 10 million self-employed professionals to save tons of time, tons of, uh, tons of stress by changing the way that they deal with paperwork. Because paperwork sucks. No one wants to do it. Invoicing. All of this stuff that's the tedious part of running your own business, whether you're a freelancer or small, medium-sized business. Getting paid, invoicing people, and keeping track of your expenses are the least interesting part of it. It's just, it's not fun. FreshBooks wants to change that. They want to make it easy, maybe even a little bit fun. And that's what they've done. They've, they've completely redesigned the entire application from the ground up, focusing on the way that their customers want and have been using the software. It's the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, the best way to get paid quickly. They've got a cool projects feature so you can share files and messages with your clients, your contractors, your employees. They have a notification center. It's like a personal assistant, speaking of personal assistants. So you always know what's changed in your business since the last time you logged in. You get to see exactly what needs to be dealt with pronto, like especially overdue invoices. Invoicing is really at the heart of FreshBooks, and that's what I started using it for way, way before they were ever Invoices and getting paid. Getting paid. Getting paid. Getting paid. It's not just – they're just not gen, they're not just generating a piece of paper that goes somewhere. What else They're they also get? in the business of, 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 of you know, uh, getting them to sign on the line, which is dotted. Mm-hmm. Cross my palm. Bring on the shekels. <laughs> yeah. Right? You got payment gateways. You can yep. say you can, you can give them a ring-a-ding if you haven't heard from them in a while. That's a technical term. 
I love that about it. I, I love this. Nobody wants to do this stuff. This you only do this stuff because you need to pay bills and yeah. you need to you need to get the money. Yeah. But like, there's so much that they take out. All the stuff that I did poorly, they are great at. That you can even get you can even get paid right online through their system, online payments, like in two clicks and stuff like that. That I remember when I was first starting out with Five by Five, we had uh, sponsors that would say oh, you know, can we use a credit card or can we pay online? And my answer was always, no, it, it has to be like a physical check. You have to mail it. FreshBooks gets rid of all of that, like two clicks and you're accepting online payments. There are so many great stuff there and they made a special URL just for listeners of this program. It's freshbooks.com slash back to work. Freshbooks.com slash back to work. Just going there supports the show and we appreciate if you would do that. But if you enter back to work in the how did you hear about us section, then you will get a month-long unrestricted free trial. So go and do that, and please do check it out. This is a this is one of those uh, one of those businesses and services that uh, I was a user of for a long time. And when they decided to sponsor, it was just perfect because like this is something we both use and and would recommend even if they weren't a sponsor. Don't tell them that. Freshbooks.com/slash/back-to-work and enter back to work in the How did you hear about us section? Thank you so much to Freshbooks for their continued support. We appreciate it. Bok, bok. Um, anything else strictly having to do with the Echoes family? Yeah, I... Um, do you think that a device with a screen is going to be perhaps easier or more accessible for people who are not used to doing strictly voice commands? No. I think um, that it is... I would... If I were writing on the big whiteboard in Seattle or whatever, I would put that under risks, which is that if, if this is the gateway device um, for someone – and I'm, I'm just talking out of my ass. I don't know what I'm saying here. Yeah. But like I, if this is your gateway device to the world of voice control, it seems very logical that you would say, OK, finally, this is ready for my notional parents who aren't techies or this is you know for whomever. If it's somebody who has until now – and again, we're talking, I'm talking about people here like – Talking with Marco, Marco is still, our friend Marco Armit, he's still self-conscious about talking into the air in the house by himself. <laughs> I think that is how most people feel. Yeah. I think people like Dan Moore and me are weirdos. We are very different. I am actively super interested in using this stuff, learning how it works, getting, not learning how it works, but learning how to, how to make it do what I want and how to learn how to ask for what I want in the way that it wants to give it. I, that, I, this is a skill that I'm really actively trying to learn. And there are people who are not so much like that. So, for example, another nice benefit, and I don't mean to sound like a shill for Amazon, but the other nice thing about buying a, several of these, if you get a bunch of these, they're a little cheaper if you get more than, I think, like five. It's nice to have them around the house. They also make fantastic gifts. So, like, if you spaced on a Christmas present, um, and it's right in the range for what you would pay for, like, a nice-ish but not overly costly Christmas present for somebody, right? Or you need a host gift for somebody. We, I think, I, unless they're really fronting, I, we legitimately delighted my in-laws by giving them one of these for Christmas. Um, and they had it up and running and they were logged in and they, by the next morning they were like using it for stuff. They were using it for, you know, measurement conversions and right, stuff or asking right. about the Giants game. Like they were using it. Now, it sounds kind of paradoxical to say, well, then why would putting a screen on that make it less likely? Well, because you don't feel like you have to learn how to use your voice to make this thing work. It would be like trying to learn Emacs with a mouse or Vim with a mouse. Mm -hmm. 
you, you probably could, but like you're not really going to benefit from what makes this special unless you take a little bit of time to learn how it wants to, wants to work with you. Now, I say that without having seen the Amazon show in use. So I could be dead wrong. But if you if you I think with most normal people, including nominally me, if you give me a device and you say to me, this is a voice controlled device that happens to have a screen, can you guess where I'm going to fo- focus most of my attention in the first week that I use it? I'm going to play with the screen. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. if I've never used voice before, I'm going to use the thing that I'm familiar with, which is the screen and I'm going to bring up the weather. And I'm going to try a call once or twice. And I'm going to ask about the Giants or like click on the Giants dingus or whatever. But I don't know, maybe it will. It, it just seems to me that if you put a screen on this, there's going to have to be affordances for doing stuff and reminding you that there are affordances for doing stuff. But no, my, my, my you know, this could be great. This could be swell. And I, I'm certain that, you know, as with all things, subsequent versions will get better and better. But I would be, I think it's a little risky to give somebody a, uh, a voice device with a screen and um, and expect them to mostly use voice on it because then mostly you're going to be like, well, this isn't really like my um, iPad or this isn't really like using my phone. That just, that's just my feeling. What do you think? Well, I think that's a really interesting point. I don't know. I, I was thinking that for some people it it might be an easier, more more relatable kind of a kind of a thing to say well i have an ipad or i use a computer this thing has a screen i kind of know more about what it is and i can see more about what it's doing when Mm -hmm. i'm doing something with it when i ask it a question or have it have it display information in some way then i feel like um like i there's a more direct relationship with it if you can see a screen and kind of that's like its way of saying I, it, it is a computer or it is a little thinking device or something like that. But listening, listening to you now, maybe it is kind of a risk or liability for it too. Well, here's, here's, here's another one of those, um, not to be an analyst or something here, but, uh, Think about this. Like, why, why do they make these devices? Well, one reason they make these devices is they want to sell these devices. But when you're a platform, when you're a company that's more than, you know, you don't do just one thing, like, you know, for iOS, there's not any one piece. There's lots of pieces, and they'd love using all of them. You cannot use, unless you're doing something very extreme, you cannot use an iPhone without running iOS. You cannot use iOS unless you're doing it on an Apple device, by and large. If you want apps, you're going to have to get it from the App Store, in the case of iOS, et cetera, et cetera. Google's no different, and Amazon is certainly no different. So Amazon wants you to be using, like, for example, I mean, they they have just, is it official that they're going to be putting out an Amazon app for Apple TV? It's been discussed a lot. They're yeah, finally going to apparently heard a rumor about that. Uh, on, well, yeah, they're the, doing the, it finally. The rumor is that, or the speculation is that they finally worked out something with Apple. It's been a kind of like a uh, a widely known sub secret that Apple negotiates percentages on stuff in ways that, well, with, especially with large, you know, um, vendors. I mean, I'm, I, I imagine the deal they have with HBO, the deal they have with Netflix, the deal they have with lots of people. I imagine it, it differs and has terms in it that are not the same deal that you agree to if you're just a standard developer. Certainly, you get different treatment if you're Uber, for example. So Amazon, so Google wants you using their calendar. They want you using their Gmail. Amazon wants you signed up for the music service. They want you using their photo service. They want you buying stuff from them. None of this is bad. But like if you want the slideshow, like one great feature of this, obviously, God, you know, 
you don't have a need for those those silly like USB picture frames. Oh yeah, right? yeah. So like you can stream photos as your screensaver on here. Great idea. Now how, how do you do that on your Apple TV? Well, the only way to do that that I'm aware of, I mean, I guess you could maybe do it. I don't know if the Flickr works, but the only way I know of, the only built-in way to do it is to do it with your iCloud photos. Right, right. Right? So they want, you've got your photos in iCloud. Let's bring them over here and use them. You can have it be this, you know, subset of the library, whatever. Ditto here. So I I really, I suspect there's not going to be a radio button for what source <laughs> of photos you right. want your slideshow to right, be. Right, right. Okay. Do you know anybody that uses Amazon for photos? Or put differently, I, I see. I, I I probably have some photos there somewhere. I have photo. I have stuff on almost everything with Amazon, but I've never deliberately used Amazon for photo storage. Neither have I. I mean, I do know a lot of people that are using Google's for. Uh, I do too. For it. I don't know anyone that's using Amazon. Go- for that. Yeah, Google. The Google backup is just is a great belt and suspenders. Plus, oh my God, the little treats you get three times a week when it's like re, you know re-experience this day, or it'll make a movie for you. That's great. I, I see. I'm not doing that with Amazon. Um, I tried the Amazon uh, full-on Spotify competitor, and it was pretty good. I mean, it had a lot of stuff, but I didn't continue that because I'm paying for Apple Music, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, on the one hand, the people who will get the most out of this on day one are going to have are going to be people who are already heavily invested in the ecosystem. And to be honest, the very first time you say, "Hey, Dingus, reorder paper towels," and it gets it right, it is pretty magic. It is pretty cool. So on the one hand, to fully utilize all of the stuff this does, you're going to need to learn how to talk to it. You're going to le- need to learn what it's good and not great at. Um, you're going to have to get comfortable just you know, with the interface in general. But it also will help to be heavily invested in that ecosystem. So the question becomes, if this is a gateway device for somebody, if you give this to the, to the notional non-techie parents, does that mean they're going to move their photos over to Amazon Photos? Does that mean that they, you know, it's it's I mean, an that's obviously that's what Amazon wants. Do you think so? I think so. I think so. I e- think everything so. is everything becomes a thin end of the wedge to get you one part of the ecosystem. Ideally, brings you into other parts. You think that's the idea? That's what seems to be the idea. It's definitely worked for Apple. I think that it could maybe work for Amazon. I just, I don't think this device is going to be ubiquitous enough that people you will see en masse switching over to using Amazon, you know, photos just to get it to display well, on their not, little not seven least, screen. Not least but. because how do you, how will you, how do your, if your first har- piece of hardware from the Amazon company is the Amazon show um, and you've never used the photo service, how do photos get on there? Yeah, they don't basically. You'd have to use another device. Right. Whereas with Apple, for example, you can take a snapshot and then say, okay, I automatically have it with my Apple ID. I get this thus and such service, like you know, even though it's pretty minimal in some cases. I don't know. I just I think it's interesting to think about. But on the other hand, let's be fair. This device does not need to do everything, as we can clearly see with the Amazon Look. Is that what it's called? Like they're going to diversify. They're going to make different things for for different groups and different purposes. And I say, great. The other thing that's not the story that's not as uh, widely told is that there are already devices that have uh, Lady in the Tube technology built into them that are made by other companies. There's something I've had on my wish list for since Christ was a corporal. I, I've never bought this thing because the reviews were never quite good enough to make me want to spend the money. Mm-hmm. But I'm clicking on my wish list. 
It is the Invoxia Smart Portable Speaker with Amazon Alexa. And I think this is such an interesting idea. I, I can imagine how this thing would be if it worked great, and I can imagine how frustrating it would be if it didn't. So I'm putting this in show notes. This is a $119 device that basically, I think you st- it's meant to be like stuck to your refrigerator. I think it's got a magnet on it. It's got a little clock. It can stream Spotify. It gives, it's just this tiny, see, like this, to me, this is practically all the dashboard I would want. Yeah. But are, are you looking at it? I am. It's Features called voice a, control with Amazon Alexa. It's a smart portable speaker, probably not too great. Internet radio, hands-free speakerphone. It's got, you can call a phone from it, I guess. Uh, play music, provide information. But see, now this is another example of this kind of, uh, what did I say, decentralization mm-hmm. or, you know, unbundling of, of things. So, I mean, you know, uh, I'd love to see more little things like this where you don't need it to be a great speaker or you could, you, the thing that, I'll tell you one of the biggest things that sucks about Lady in a Tube do you ever use it to? Do you ever use any Lady in a Tube products to as a Bluetooth speaker? Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you ever get the thing where in the middle of the night it suddenly announces that it doesn't have the connection anymore? <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't had to do that. Uh, I quit. I quit using it because it was it was so freaking annoying. Would it wake you guys up in the night? Well, I mean, not. It wasn't disturbing, but then once it's happened twice, yeah, now you're you going like, oh that. god, I wonder if it's going to happen. You yeah. know, second arrow, am I right? Oh yeah. Make calls over VoIP or with a paired smartphone from 15 feet 15 away. 15 feet away. Share doodles on it's always on display. Doodles. Do- doodles. Uh, Yeah, doodles. And then you can... So, I mean, this looks like I a... don't know what this thing is, to be honest with I you. I know. I've it's never... kind of fish nor fowl. It's got a little bit of that Kickstarter Shark Tank kind of vibe to yes. it. Yes. Yes. Right? Like wine for cats, you know? <laughs> B- butt muscle pants. Um. But I'm very, I'm very interested in things like this. My, my, in my brain, this is fairly quick, and then we could talk about Sonos. But like in my head, like someday there will be a better example of this than the way power works in a house. But for now, my model for a lot of where I imagine stuff will go in the, the world of technology is a lot like power. Where like I, I'm guessing there was a time when you had gas lights in your house. And then eventually maybe, or, you know, gas everything. And then eventually maybe you had one source of power in your house, but it was probably pretty dangerous and not very reliable. Flash forward a hundred, 120 years. And now there's so much power everywhere. It is completely standardized. And the electric company does not charge you based on what you're using. I mean, in the sense that, I mean, they charge you based on how much you use, but it doesn't cost more to listen to NPR than it does uh, to stream Spotify. Right. Like, it, it doesn't care. It's a dumb It's a dumb outlet. If this is a functioning, uh, like, if this is a functioning uh, 110 plug, I can plug this in and it will work and I know that this will work. And it's, it's totally decentralized. And then even beyond that, well, hey, you know what? There's some kinds of devices. I will use that power to charge this like i just got the the uh the awesome plantronics um bluetooth headphones that marco recommended and i love them uh and but you know you charge them up and they work for days it's great that's another way i could use power so the the electric company doesn't care that much they care about using too much air conditioning because that's a drain on the system and there are days when like they're going to charge you extra for that but by and large you know they, they may say, hey, you know, uh, times are tough right now. Try and minimize your use of appliances during the day. They have what are called spare the air days here. If the, you know, if the uh, air quality is not good, they ask people to um, use fewer appliances and stuff. But 
that to me, whenever I try to wonder where stuff will go, that looms large for me. And that could mean something as imaginable as a Star Trek, you know, little pin that you hit to talk to people. Like that already seems like a kind of an old idea, but like how long will it be until you don't need a microphone attached to a $1,000 device? What if that microphone becomes this thing that's totally independent? It functions only as a microphone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, it's, it's so much more pure. And what if these are just around our house the same way that electric outlets are? You know, you remember when they started building houses with Ethernet drops in them. That seemed like the craziest thing in the world. Oh, yeah. Before Wi-Fi came along. But anyway, that's my, you know, I, I imagine that model will be supplanted at some point, maybe not in my lifetime, but that's what I always imagine. And each step that gets us closer to not needing a dedicated device for doing this one thing, it feels like an interesting move forward. You know, and there's there's going to be missteps, but it's still a step. Yeah, it's still a step. It's a step that we will only know if it was a misstep in a few years to come, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose. I mean, there are some kinds of things that come along. This this does actually get us to an interesting question from a listener. Um, listener Mike said, um, writes in to say, you briefly mentioned Sonos a few episodes back. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on the costly speaker company. <laughs> Do you think it's the future? And I thought that was a very interesting question. In terms of disclosure, I have a friend uh, who, at the time he was working at Sonos, very kindly said, hey, do you want some Sonos speakers? And I was like, shit, dog, of course I want some Sonos speakers. Right. <laughs> I can't afford these on my own. These are very, uh, not very costly. They are, this is what's weird about Sonos. Do, do you have Sonos in your life? Do not. So Sonos speakers, the, the, the notion is that um, there are cheaper ways to get sound throughout your house. There are way more expensive ways. This is a kind of costly and kind of high quality way to get sound through these satellite speakers. And what's cool is you can get these ones, I don't remember, I think it's called a Play. There's these ones that are like um, like bigger than an Echo, but kind of rounded corners. So and it's Play a Play 1. Yeah, but it's a really good sounding speaker that you can put somewhere. There's another one called the, I don't know if it's the bridge. What's the big one called? The big, so, the big white one. It's like the big, um, the big base unit thing, the play three or the connect. Oh yeah. So yeah, the, so yeah, the play, the play, I think it's the play three. These have been updated since I got mine. Mine's a little more old school looking. Yeah. But like just for that one, you know, the Play One, which is a great little device, and I'll get to why I'll get to why these are cool in a second. I'll get to why they're kind of not that cool later. But the Play One, like if you need to get, if you want to hear some music throughout your house, and you got a little extra dough, you set these things up. They do not need a hub, thank God. They just get on the Wi-Fi and they identify, they advertise themselves as thus and such speakers. You name them according to the room, and I'm gonna get to the tech in a minute, but. You get these and you have them around. They gave me two play ones and whatever the big play was that's not the woofer. Later, with my own money, I bought a play a sound bar for our TV um, that was very costly, but had come highly recommended from lots of people. That has been great. So you know what a sound bar is. You got this big wide, not that high thing you put in front of your TV. Right. And yes, it's the speakers for your TV, but yes, it also is another like addressable set of speakers. Okay, so here's where it gets kind of cool. So this is all pretty expensive. The sound is pretty good. Like, I'm not a connoisseur of sound. People who are connoisseurs of sound might find these lacking. I think they sound great. But here's where they, here's where they are very clever. Um, 
you know, in the same way, for example, like, you know, the Amazon's so clever now, the Amazon leading a tube is so clever because it can detect when there's multiples and do smart things about hearing where you are and which one you're addressing. This one has, a, these have a lot of flexibility. First of all, in our case, let's say we're, we want to listen to some kind of, like we don't have like a big surround sound system. We've just got the speakers on the TV plus whatever we've added. But let's say we want to, you know, we want to watch Les Mis or we want to watch Avengers and hear the big experience. You can go grab your play speakers, plug them in, and now identify them. So the one that used to be in the bedroom and the one that used to be in the dining room, I'm now identifying a stereo left and stereo right in association with the soundbar. How clever is that? So you turn these into like surround sound speakers on an ad hoc basis. Any set of two play one speakers could be turned into a pair of speakers. Very, very clever. On top of that, they have this thing. I don't know if this makes a difference, but they do a pretty cool thing with tuning the speakers where it, when you put a speaker in a new place or in a new room and you set it up, you can do this wackadoo thing where you walk around the room for like 90 seconds, it plays a very loud tone, and you walk around the room like waving your iPhone <laughs> and it tunes the speaker based on like the sound in the room. That's cool. I think probably mostly dealing with stuff like echo and dead spots, but who knows? This is all very, very clever stuff. It is not inexpensive. And then you get to what kind of feels like the weak link, which is the app. So there's an app, in my case, on my phone. And when you go in there, you can uh, associate it with your Spotify account, associate it with your Apple uh, Music account, um, associate it, I think, with TuneIn. You know, all the kinds of stuff that you could also do, really, with your, with your Amazon lady in a tube. But the idea is that this is the way you control your music, mostly, is by you know, your wireless device, which on the face of it, that, that, that totally makes sense, right? The same way that you would play music to your headphones with right. your iPhone, right. you're now controlling this throughout your house. And you do stuff like you also group them and say, for example, like I want all every speaker throughout the house all playing this same Beatles album. And you can change how loud they are separately. Very, very cool. And it also does that neat thing like Paul Kafasis' um, stuff does where it syncs the sound. So it makes sure that they're all coming out at the same time. There's no lag between them. Right. And that is actually, there's there's a bit of magic to that, my understanding. I think there would have to be. I mean, if you figure they're streaming at different rates, it, it is, I, I, I don't know, this might be an easily solved problem, but I, I've, I found it very impressive that it, it, it knows what to do. Now, so what happens if you don't have your phone or you don't want to get your phone? Well, the device has like a play pause button and it's got a volume button, and not too much else. You can do a line in to it. So if you want it to go to one, only only the big devices, only the play the big play device has the line in, as far as I know. But you know you can do that. But otherwise, to do stuff, if you want to change the music, you want to go to a different playlist. A, you have to do it in their app, right. as far as I know. And B, you got to do it in their not super duper friendly interface. Parts of the interface are very cool and smart. One thing that is cool and smart is you have a universal search. So if you search for the Beatles, it'll find any matches on any of the services that you have. So that's, you know, points for that. But I am curious about what the future of this will be because I, I might be talking out of school here. It's not inexpensive enough to be like a splurge where you would just say, oh, I'll buy one of these because you kind of want multiples right. for it to work, right? Um, and on the other hand, it's not really high quality enough for like really serious audio files. 
And, and then to do stuff with them, you do still need another device, right? So there's a lot of dependencies to, to getting use out of these. They do end up kind of feeling like a rich man's thing because there's all the stuff you need in order to use your stuff. And all so and there's also been this rumor for I think over a year now that it's any day now <laughs> uh, it's going to get integration with the Amazon series of products, right. which would be huge. So basically, if you had your janky ass dots throughout the house, but you could cause the sound to come out where and when you choose through the speakers, I could see lots of ways that's going to be real innovative. I will put on my analyst hat for a second and say if they if they don't secure some deals like that. I can't imagine how they prosper for a long time. I don't think people are going to buy a lot of very costly speakers that are not at the same place that less modest, more modestly priced speakers are in terms of functionality. Now, they I, sound good, say, but they're not that great. They're not that great. Was the Sonos the first company to kind of do this concept of connected speakers throughout your whole house? I don't think so. I think they are... I think they, I lo- by the way, I love their logo. Have you looked at their logo? How cool is that logo? I do like the logo. Do you get it? Well, maybe I don't if you, get if you, it. If you flip it upside down, it's exactly the same logo. Uh, hold on, I'm turning my, yeah, you're right. Isn't that cool? Ouroboros. Hmm. Uh, I think there have been numerous other players in this, and I don't mean to slag them, and I, I'm very grateful I got these. I would not have bought these on my own. It was super nice of my friend to do that. He since left the company, but that was very nice of him to do. I think he gave him to Roderick, too. But like, I don't know if I would go out and buy this whole ecosystem on my own because, I mean, it's speakers, and speakers for the low to medium end of audio quality are, you know, I'm not going to notice the difference between a medium quality speaker and a super duper high end speaker. I will notice greater se- separation. I will notice surround sound, but my ears are blown. It doesn't matter to me. It's mainly the functionality and the convenience of these, right? And if you can go out, and I, I imagine it's something at this point like fidget spinners, where I imagine that you can go out and get some form or fashion of wireless speakers on Amazon for like, you can probably get them off Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. here, right? Yeah. That are, that are probably a third or a quarter of this cost. I'm just guessing. So I think it'll be interesting to see. Like I, I wish I do wish them well. I love their products. Uh, I, I don't want to say I recommend their soundbar because it was very expensive. We saved up for that one, but uh, I do love their soundbar. I love the functionality. The app man could really use some love, considering that it is the basis. And if they bring along the Alexa stuff, I think that's going to be great. But I don't, I don't see for myself. I don't see giant growth for this particular direction. Hmm. Unless you're going for something that is very high end, but like it just has APIs out the ass. You know what I mean? Where it can like just work with everything. I wonder who the holdout is on a relationship with Amazon. I'm guessing Amazon. Yeah, I mean, maybe they want to be in this space and, and why would they want to support this other technology if they're moving in that direction? That would be my guess. And there's also, I have to imagine, there's a lot of politics and pseudo politics where for example if you want to be in home kit it's my understanding that to be a home an apple home kit certified device you have to do a whole bunch of stuff around things like privacy and it's not something where you just flash a new version like several of the products like for example the hue um the the original philips hue hub that i had did not have home kit it had to put out a new piece of hardware there's something having to do with i think i want to say privacy 
but security uh, for HomeKit approved devices. So that's a big deal. Like that's a re- you got to really buy into that system if you're going to yeah. go have a whole rev of your product just to work with you know this one particular company. I mean, how many of those can you? You can't chase all of those. I I imagine and be current. So I mean, there's decisions, and then you you even look at stuff like look at Amazon where. You know, if getting this thing settled with the Apple TV is going to be would be so great for everybody because right now it's a pox on everybody's house. Amazon. Well, and of course the flip the flip side is Amazon won't sell Apple TVs anymore. That's what I was going to say. Right. Amazon will not sell devices that don't have uh, Amazon Prime streaming on it. Right. Because and I read this statement that uh, Jeff Bezos made, and it was something like, "We find that that the reasoning," and I don't I don't know if this is real or what but the the reasoning that he said was well that would be confusing to our customers because anybody who would buy a a video streaming device on amazon would assume that you would be able to stream that is is utterly that is utterly asinine so we don't want to confuse so so how about this i mean do you stop selling stuff that does any kind of voice interaction because it doesn't work with the alexa family well, no, that would be really yeah, silly. Oh, this no. is a microphone on it. It has to work with our ecosystem. I mean, that's just, that's silly. But you're right. That's, so one thing is like, and then like even now, I don't think they sell, what's the call? Chrome Play, Google Chrome Play. What's the dingus? Oh, they, um, don't, they don't sell the, um, they don't sell the Google one? Google, is it called Chromecast? Is that it? Yeah. Well, I, I um, I, last time I looked no, they do. on. Fire, well, oh. Oh my gosh! Look think, at that. No, no, they sell they sell dinguses for it. Okay, look at that. Very interesting. So if you if you yeah. if you search for Google Chromecast on Amazon, mm-hmm. the Fire TV Stick and the Roku Express, <laughs> yeah, uh, those well, they don't come want to confuse up. they don't want to confuse their customers. And the That's Roku why. Streaming Stick. Uh huh. But yeah, look at that. They don't have the Google Chromecast on there anymore. Yeah, the only return I could hear Google Chromecast promotions, and then it's a blank page. And I guess I imagine you can get them on the marketplace, right? I imagine you can get them used. Maybe. Chromecast USB cable. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what you came for, the right. cable. It's like yeah, it's like when you go when you go to the Microsoft store and it's all those books about how to use Chrome with right. the Chrome logo on it. Right. Um so I mean, that's bad for everybody. I mean, it's somewhat bad for Amazon because they're making less of a cut on stuff that they could be making a cut on, that's terrible for, I imagine, for Apple and for um, Google. I right? think it would be pretty awful for them, yeah. And then it's it's bad for Amazon users because, you know, I, you know, I used to be all in on Apple TV. Then Apple TV's kind of sucked. And then I was pretty much all in on Amazon Fire TV until the new one came out, the new Apple TV. And now, honestly, we don't really look at the Amazon Fire TV too much. Like I know it, it's like the new ones have gotten a new interface and there are people who love it. It's a very, it's a very capable device. Very, it's probably, it feels like the most powerful of all the set top boxes we have. Like it would just fire up in no time. Apple TV still needs a little bit of a, you know, cup of coffee to wake up in the evening. Um, but that it benefits everybody to have, I think to have everybody's stuff everywhere and for the spice to flow. Mm, yes. You know, whoever controls the spice controls the universe. Um, I mentioned this last night on the Twitter, but so anyway, to, just to wrap up on Sonos, I, I I think it's a their stuff is great. I think it's pretty costly for what you get. I think it's uh, some of it is very very clever. I think the technology behind it is very smart. I don't know. I'm curious where they'll be in five years, though. Uh, I mean, just to say the obvious kind of dick thing. 
I mean, how hard would it be for Amazon to make a speaker that sounds as good or close enough to as good as a Sonos speaker, but with Lady Na 2 built into it uh, for half the price? Yeah. I mean, how hard would that be for them? They would yeah. do that just to put Sonos out of business probably. You know, and, I, and, and that's the kind of thing. If they wanted to, I think that they could. Well, it's it's right in their wheelhouse. I mean, that's you know that that that's one that this is I think the one that came out that was announced today. I, I believe is the fifth uh, Echo device. Um, I could totally see that. You know, I mean, doing stuff with cameras, doing stuff with sound, doing stuff with video. There's all kinds of stuff where I could see this them wanting to get this into all kinds of corners of what they do. It just it just makes sense. So you know, I mean, now can you can you buy Sonos on Amazon? Yes. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, lots and lots and lots of speakers. Well, I feel like this has been announced. So, Sonos and Echo. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um... What else was I going to mention in passing or at 108? Do you want to tell me about uh, one more thing that you like? Oh, sure. I could do that. Why not? Mm. I can tell you. And this is, a, this is an interesting one. This is for a little conference that's, uh, that's going on. Uh, conference is called Gateway 17, Gateway 17. And this is a two-day event in Detroit going on from June 20th to 21st. And I'll tell you what, who's putting this thing on. It's put on by Alibaba. Now, Alibaba is... Basically, it's the Chinese version of Amazon combined with Google. That's basically what Alibaba is to kind of the rest of the world, especially China. It's huge. They connect everything from inventory to marketing. They do the translation. They do payment. They do shipping. They do returns. And, and this is a huge marketplace. So if you have something to sell... You just supply the product, and basically they do everything, everything else. But if you even don't have a product, that's okay. They have products too. So they have companies on there making pretty much – because, you know, everything does kind of come from China. Uh, anything that you might want to sell, there are companies on Alibaba that you can work with where you're not even now dealing with the product. They handle everything. They even br- create the product for you and sell it and, and everything. And there are a lot of people here who have come up with these really cool, interesting businesses. And they're all completely happening within Alibaba. I mean, of course, you sell the stuff in the U.S. too, but that's what they want. Alibaba wants to have this huge marketplace, but they need like U.S. businesses to fill the demand. So this is what this conference is all about, Gateway 17. They've got Jack Ma. Uh, they got David Abney, who's CEO of UPS. They got Charlie Rose. Our hero, Charlie Rose, is going to be there. Love Charlie Rose. And they're going to be basically teaching you how to take Alibaba and, and create businesses on there. Businesses that, in a lot of ways, like can run themselves. It's pretty cool. And, uh, and, and this, is, this is a cool conference all about it. They're giving our listeners a huge discount, 75% off. It's normally 500 bucks. It's going to be $125. Uh, prices go up on May 25th. So you've got most of this month to get in on this. If this kind of conference is interesting to you, it's interesting to me. I would like to go just to see Charlie Rose, but 125 bucks is not a bad deal. Here's how you, you get that. You go to gateway 17, which is 
G-A-T-E-W-A-Y, gateway, 17.com. And you enter work, the word work, when you register, and you'll get the 125 buck uh, deal there. But I think this is a great thing. This is if, if you're one of those people who's like, you just want to have a business, you just want to get started, or you want to you take the product that you have and get it out to a huge audience, this, this is the place to do it. So gateway17.com, enter the code work on the payment page, and, uh, and you'll be in. And I'd love to hear back. I know some of our listeners have told me saying they're going. I would love to hear, uh, tweet me if you're going, because I think it's pretty cool. I would like to go to this myself. So thanks very much to Alibaba, gateway17.com. Thanks, Alibaba. Bok, bok. What's fun to say? Alibaba. Okay. Uh, I am struggling to try and do some research so I don't get yelled at by the entire internet. Um, (laughs) So according to Wired Magazine, as of August, this is the headline, August 30, 2016, Amazon Echo now lets you control your Sonos speakers. Well, Sonos today announced an integration that's just shy of wonderful. You'll soon be able to control everyone's favorite connected speakers from the comfort of your Amazon Echo. That is a grossly misleading headline editor of Tim Moynihan, gear section. Uh, What it appears is happening is that the announcement is that this will happen in sometime in 2017 is when it will officially be out. A little bit of quick Googling indicates, I believe, that these uh, features are in a private beta, which I am not in, but that's what... No, it's okay. No, it's all right. I'm not that into betas. Um, Yeah, so that's what they say. So good for them. So that seems like a pretty cool company. Uh, can I pivot to something? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you know, you cut me off if this is too boring. But, you know, you and me, we're always chasing. You You seem pretty happy with your broadcast service for getting stuff without cable. I have just been slogging along, as we've talked about in the past, with these various cord cutter services mm-hmm. that have really not been up to snuff for any variety of reasons. So far, I have tried and canceled. Let me see if I can do this in order. PlayStation View. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to use a game device to watch TV. That's not going to happen. Um, PlayStation View. That was that was garbage. Um, I have tried for for longer than I am happy admitting. I've had Sling TV. I even upgraded. I thought, you know, the the thing is, if you're paying for something and you don't like it, you should probably pay more and see if it gets better. So I just last week or so upgraded Sling TV to be like the DVR, no commercials option. Right. With much, with much respect to the great people, it's like, it's a garbage service. Really? It's very, very hard to use. There are times when just, the, I'm guessing the servers are down because it just can't get to TV. Like there are some some things that are just the service will not work. Uh, that is crazy frustrating. I found it difficult to use uh, and it, it just felt kind of anarchic. I happily signed up for YouTube TV when it was announced and when it was available in my area, I tried the trial of that. All kinds of problems with that. <laughs> of course, there's no device for Apple TV. Of course, you have to watch it on a tablet or in the Chrome app. Uh, yeah, well, that's not going to work in, the, in my ecosystem. So I've been a pretty happy user, I think like you, a pretty happy user of Hulu for a while. I pay for the no commercials version of Hulu, which I can highly recommend. And starting in the last week or so, I they announced their new service, their new Hulu live TV service, and I signed up for it. There's elements of it that utterly suck, but there are parts about it that actually work pretty well, better than the other services I've tried. I would encourage you to consider trying this. Is there a URL that uh, they should hit? Or, uh, Well, I mean, 
basically the Hulu app update, which you have you gotten the weird update where everything's like pink and white and giant letters, tiny letters. Have oh, you gotten no, that update? I haven't. Oh God! I cancel. Got... I canceled my Hulu. What? Yeah. Oh. Okay. All right. Never mind. Uh, oh yeah, the big update, the Hulu experience. There's all kinds about things about the Hulu experience that are pretty annoying. Uh, anybody who's using Hulu right now will know this. For example, they've gone with the let's make the titles of things take up an entire screen and be in giant letters. So when you're browsing through an array of stuff, like show me everything in the genre science fiction or whatever, blonk, blonk, blonk. <laughs> you go through these huge pages. That's weird. And then when you when you like look at Seinfeld, for example, and you look at the little capsules of the episodes, yeah. it's this teeny tiny like white letters on a pink background. It's like, oh, it's really hard. But the actual stuff works. This I'm is on the, able- app, the Apple TV or iOS? Both. Oh, that, okay. You need a new version of the app for iOS that's got a different name, but the old Hulu app on iOS won't work. You need the new version. It includes the TV functionality. The version on your Apple TV should, uh, when it gets updated, which it has been in the last week or so. I don't know. I'm just happy to say it. Like I was, uh, I still don't completely understand it. It's still obviously representative of a constellation of different possible deals that were made. You know, the DVR functionality differs from place to place. It's very difficult to... Like what what happens when you add things to my stuff? Like what does it mean that something is now in my stuff? Does that mean it's all recording? Does that mean I have access to like what is, you know, that's like favoriting something. It's strange. But it does have some nice stuff that I haven't seen other places. One downside of a lot of these services is if they even work on Apple TV, uh, it's kind of hard to flip through channels or even, even anything approximating flipping through channels. Like you're generally going click, click, click horizontally through a grid trying not to accidentally click up and down and go to some area you don't want to be in. Like Apple Remote's terrible at this. Yeah. This has a neat thing where if you're watching a show, um, you can, you know, if you flick down top to bottom, you get the usual, what you're familiar with from app, like iTunes, like you can select subtitles, you can select the audio, et cetera, et cetera. If you flick up from the bottom of the screen, you get something called the flip tray, which is it shows you a band of all the other things you can basically flip through all the other things that are on while still watching the show you're watching. This sounds sounds like a not very sophisticated thing to have in an app, but it's amazing how few apps have this. It does that. And that works. And as I mentioned last night on Twitter, it also works with Siri. I don't know if it works with all, to answer, to answer the person who asked last night, I don't know if it works with all live TV because some of this stuff is a Frankenstein of like stuff that's on TV now, stuff that's in the back catalog, stuff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But if you say, like, what did I say last night? Find uh, Seinfeld... Season five, episode two on Hulu, and it goes straight to the episode called The Puffy Shirt. Oh, nice. So still not a replacement for – they're going to need to do some work on this interface. I have to imagine – oh, there's also no way to turn off autoplay. That is, quote, not part of the Hulu experience, the new Hulu experience. (laughs) I hate autoplay. That is no way to have a child. You can't have a child with autoplay on. Because now they have plausible deniability for like seven hours of TV. Uh, I don't know. It just kept playing. I couldn't turn it off. I just wanted to mention that to people that I am, uh, it's still not great, but it sucks the least of all of these services I have tried. I would say at least give it a spin if you're looking um, for this. Or, or you know, if, if you're doing fine, if you're like Dan, you're happy with what you got, wait it out because it will probably get better. But for around 40 bucks a month, it's it's a, a bunch of TV and it's pretty reliable and it lets you do stuff like rewind to show that you're watching right now, which almost none of these other services ever let me do with anything. And it's not recording, just to be clear, it's not recording, it's just li- it's live TV. Well, that's well, when they say it's a DVR. I mean, I think it's a DVR in the same way that I'm, you know, taping something on with TiVo. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't. 
it's not, it's a cloud DVR. So basically what it's saying is like, here's the show, right? And you can skip over commercials in most cases. Um, and it varies because in some places, like if, uh, I, I hope I'm remembering this right. I think I flipped around while the new Shark Tank was on. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure as soon as I popped it up, I was able to not just simply start in the middle, not just simply watch from the beginning, but I'm pretty sure I was able to scrub to wherever I wanted to in the show that was running at the time, which is pretty powerful. And you get you know a fair amount of DVR space. I still don't completely understand how it works. I just wanted to mention this to people because I bitch so much about it. Right. I've been so annoyed <laughs> with all these services that this particular costly one uh, sucks less than some of the other ones. And that is my ringing endorsement for there Hulu Live TV. There you go. Yeah, it's the Merlin Man promise. We had other things, but I think we're, uh, I think we're good, don't you? Anything else? Nah, I think we're all right. I think we're okay. Still trying the CBD oil. Still eh, skeptical, but I'm still sticking with it. Yeah. Are you want to share your dosage amount or? No, no. Um, and uh, oh, I wanted to recommend a podcast that's really popular, and I only just recently discovered it. It is a podcast called No Such Thing as a Fish. And you will be forgiven for laughing at me because this was apparently Apple's podcast of the year a couple years ago. I've never heard of it. It is the writer-researcher people from the British quiz show QI. And it's such a great, straightforward format, but they're very funny. It's, it's delightful. Each of the four hosts comes in and has a fact to share from the week. And so they have a fact about some kind of a thing, right? And, and then the other people bring in a fact. So I guess they know ahead of time what the fact is generally going to be about. So like on on an old segment I was listening to today, it was all about ham sandwiches, ham ham sandwiches in the 1850s in London and the proliferation of different kinds of sandwiches and who tracked the sandwiches. It's fascinating stuff. And so uh, if you're looking for a new podcast, there's a great back catalog. I highly recommend the show. No such thing as a fish. It's very good. I'll put it into the show notes. I think it's already in there. Pretty, pretty good. Five by five dot TV slash B is in brothers. Two is in the number W is in women slash three, two, three. You're the, you're the, you're the man. You're the man now, dog. Is God, there anything those you want to, Oh, huh? Am I right? You have, you know uh, how, much you, how expensive it was to have a meme back then? It was very costly. Yes. It whole domain mm-hmm. I had to go for that. Mm. Do you have oh, a, a, now, a, a, a two cat, a two cats comics, uh, thing coming up? We have my off week. That's next week. One scheduled, I think, somewhere in June. Ungainly X Men meetup number diggity seventeen is June fifteenth, Thursday, June fifteenth. Say it with me: Two Cats Comics, three twenty Westport Avenue, San Francisco. Have, Thank have, you for uh, reminding me of that. Of course, I just I don't don't want it to get uh, swept under the rug, thrown out no. with the, the the baby water. No sweeping. Oh, Dan Morin's book, The Caledonian Gambit, his new novel, arrives this week. That's very exciting. Are you going to be um, endorsing local chapters of the Ungainly X-Men meetups? Like if people wanted to start their own chapter in their own town if they couldn't be in in San Francisco? I offer a perpetual license. I grant you the license to meet people in public. Go. At At a comic store? And on yes, the same I, day at the I, same time? Yes, I would time. allow that. Yes, I would allow that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, 
you know, rent, render unto, unto Caesar, as they say. Right. Because I think there's yeah. a lot of people who want to get in on it and who yeah. think— It's just they don't have me. They don't have you and they don't have San yeah. Francisco. The meeting up is—you know what? I encourage you. If you have the opportunity and the means, I highly recommend meeting other people. It's, uh, you know, it's one of the options that sucks the least. Did you do anything for free comic book day over the weekend? Nope. Nope. We didn't make it out. Um, it was a very, very, very busy day. My daughter got a haircut and braids. She Ooh. also had to get ready to go to a sleepover and buy a gift. And then she rode a horse on Sunday. Fun. His name was Chili. The horse or the? Yes. Okay. Well, I don't know, you know. <laughs> yeah, you get a bowl of chili, you forget the name of your horse. It's a different city. It's human animal chimeras. <laughs> 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 All right. All right, let's button this up. All right. Ah, love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.